Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Talks Hoops. Levi, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, that's a uh, podcast that we do talking about the NBA pretty darn infrequently. I don't think we've done one in like three or four months, but we had to because we're in quarantine. We're in lockdown for the coronavirus. And to save America, The Last Dance, a uh, <laughs> documentary about the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> has debuted and we have a full house today. We have uh, BJ. BJ, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am I'm good. Spencer, what's up? Real confused you thought of me when you thought of basketball, but happy to be here. Yeah, you're kind of like the pole, right? Like we have me and Levi on one side and you on the other side. I think it's gonna make good radio and making his debut to the Mangum Talks podcast channel, my buddy, my pal Brady. Brady, how you doing? Hey, long time listener, first time caller. Good to be here. I wish we were <laughs> talking about actual basketball. Long time, first time. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about The Last Dance, uh, specifically episode one and two, which debuted last Sunday. We're recording this on April 21st. Um, before we get going, Levi specifically told me I needed to be quiet on the intro and kick it to him. He has something to talk about. Levi, go ahead. So uh, for long-time listeners, they may have caught my my rant about this on a, a pre previous podcast that we, we released, but I, I think it's important here to set the context, right? Um, so we're recording this, as you said, on the 21st of April um, in the U.S. We are under quarantine in many states. Um, well, maybe I can, can I stop you for a second? Spencer just like <laughs> pouring some wood. Spencer, what are you pouring? I'm just going to go with whiskey and leave it at that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Levi. Back to you. But yeah, we're we're in a quarantine in areas as, as a global pandemic. Um, inside of the U.S., uh, for for those international listeners, right? There's crazy times. Like we have sedition among citizens in many states trying to reopen their states against the best wishes of the government. We have close to treasonous activity um, by our executives inside the federal level. Um, we have states getting uh, getting equipment seized by the federal government and being distributed to to God knows where. Um, we've got basically insurrection in the states uniting and forming local unions and, and, and local coalitions on the West Coast and the Northeast. These are crazy times. These are trying times. And this documentary is the thing that's keeping America together right now. Any day uh, going forward that we don't uh, have a civil war, it's because of this documentary. That's my <laughs> supposition. Michael Jordan, thank you for your service. Yeah, I completely agree. That's the one thing we can all agree on. Now, I've been like, like furiously refreshing trying to figure out the ratings for this thing, but I think it's going to be sky high. Uh, they did release on, on Wikipedia that they got a list of uh, millions of US viewers just posted. How many? Uh, 5.6 million for the first episode and 5 million for the second. Ooh. are just like, I'm done. <laughs> well, 600,000 may have had a bedtime, um, which, which that documentary didn't really interfere with, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it was, yeah, a lot of East Coast people probably went to bed. But yeah, I watched it. I watched it live. I liked it. Um, Levi, how do you want to do this? Do we, do we want to talk through, like, you know, the content or do we want to talk through, like, kind of our thoughts on the 1998 Chicago Bulls or 1998 uh, Chicago Bulls. Yeah. So, I mean, let's start out, right? So, so episode one is, is focused on the 
basically context of Michael Jordan, right? Um, and episode two is focused on the context of the team and, and specifically Scott Pepin. Specifically Pepin, Pepin yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, the first, I think we should just go reflections in all honesty. I, I certainly have, have copious notes from, from watching the documentary, but um, I mean, the, the key takeaway, right, for, for me at least is um, we've got ourselves a villain, right? We don't have Carol Baskins, we have Jerry Krause. Uh, <laughs> I know, and the poor man's dead. He can't even defend himself. You know, he has Bill, Wen Bill Wennington's looking out for him a little bit. So, oh, well, he's, got he's got that. He's got Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, like he, he was just saying, he, he, he was a nice guy. He, he made no comment, an almost intentional comment, not about his, his professional activities. Um, so, Terry, you're you're a big time executive inside your company. Um, <laughs> thoughts about the management style of Jerry Krause? Um, <laughs> I, all right, we're getting to this uh, a lot faster than I thought we would, but I think what Jerry Krause did um, before the 1997-1998 uh, season is criminal. 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 You, you have won five championships in seven years, and you are telling this team, I'm going to break you up regardless? What the fuck? And this wasn't even in, in the time of a salary cap. There was no salary cap. He could have done. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, breaking this team up was stupid. I think uh, Jordan would have played another year. I think Pippen might have left. He had bad, uh, you know, ill will, and he should have because he was criminally underpaid. But what the hell are you doing, Jerry Krause, to break this team up? Jordan should have stayed on that team. Should have brought Ku coach back and run it back. I mean, hell, try try for seven. I, I didn't understand it, and uh, yeah. Anyway, I think he, to your point, I think he's the villain of the of the documentary. How do you feel about the education that he offers on the documentary about the team was aging out, many of them are going to retire anyway, and that they need to get the rebuilding process in place for hope that um, they wouldn't be another disaster of a team for several several years to come. Well, I have the benefit of hindsight, but in hindsight, rebuilding. You have Michael Jordan. What, what the fuck have the Bills done? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Brady. Like, he's not going to rebuild anything if you have Michael Jordan. All he had to do was keep Phil Jackson, and he could keep Michael Jordan. Yep. But he Jordan, had beef with Phil Jackson. Yeah, and that's really where he's the, the villain comes in, is that he ran off Phil Jackson and ran off Michael Jordan in process. Whatever happened with Scottie Pippen, you know, that's really more of Jerry's, the owner's problem for not wanting to renegotiate and I see why he didn't but Krause ran off Phil Jackson and that was the most villainous thing he did that was basically stealing stealing all the NBA players mojo and space jam I gotta it's, ask you that about, equal, it's, it's that equal of evil I gotta ask you guys who were in the know about because the documentary doesn't really explain it what was his particular grudge with Phil Jackson because it just seemed like he was gunning for him from the first moment he reasonably could Okay, I'll give my answer, but I, I want to kick it to Levi. Um, so Phil Jackson's a weird guy. He's just a spectacularly weird guy. And I, I, I know that sounds a little trite, but like, I think he just rubbed Krauss the wrong way, to be honest with you. And I just think he, he was just being, he's just strange. And I also think he had a lot of demands. He, he wanted a lot of money. And they talk about that in the documentary, that he was getting paid at a level that you know was was comparable with the general manager and general manager may not like that uh, six million for that last season they said yeah so he was getting paid a lot of money and he wanted a lot of money and he ended up getting it 
with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, but I think that's kind of where the rub started. Levi, what do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, this is all sort of receive wisdom or, or, or sort of trying to do research after the fact, right? Because that's the important context, right? Is it's all this stuff was happening when we were 12, 13. Um, yeah, sure. children, yeah. mm -hmm. for children, right? We don't have like a nuanced take on um, management and, and and player negotiations, right? We're just like, hey, it's Michael Jordan. He should he's pretty good. Uh, they should probably keep playing with him. Um, but we do now, though, right? Because like, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, I think it was just he didn't want to give Phil the money that he thought he deserved, um, and he. I, I think the so the core question is 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 why would you want to rebuild? I think the question is. It, to me is is that the, the, the takeaway that that I would do to to approach things is is I would um, if I was GM I would not rebuild so much as retool right you could probably sell high on Scottie Pippen um, and given that he relied on his athleticism and given his actual experience um, in in Houston and in, in, in um, Portland, Portland yeah. it it would have been a smart move to trade him right um, that that was to potentially retool and add, add some more athleticism and, and, and younger players around Michael Jordan and, and, and continue on. It was, to your point, the central the central failure there is, is pissing off the coach for no no real apparent reason other than he wanted more money, um, mm -hmm. yep. which is a very fair thing, right? So he had a smart enough move that to retool and continue going, you're going to have to trade somebody. Um, he just was terrible at execution, right? publicly airing out that you want to trade a star player is, is a really risky maneuver. Um, yeah. And Levi, we, we both like Bill Simmons and his take, which I think is, is probably very true is that Jordan wanted to keep playing. So when Jordan came back with the wizards, everybody was like, why is he doing this? Well, he didn't want to leave to begin with, but he was really sort of left with, with, with no option. Uh, Brady, what do you think? Yeah, I think y'all are getting onto it. I think it. I think Jordan probably would have kept playing, but Jordan wanted to play with Phil Jackson, and there was always a power struggle between Jordan and Krause. So I think Krause had a power play with that. Well, guess what? I'm getting rid of Jackson. What are you going to do about it, Jordan? And at that point, all Jordan's the, Jordan's only option was to say, "Well, I retire then," because oh, you. you know Krause yeah, exactly. played his hand, and he had to call him. And then it's a shame because, you know, you talk about Phil Jackson wanted too much money. Well, what? how much was Jordan getting paid in that final year? Was it $36 million? 36 yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, like, like it, it, what, Phil Jackson wanted, what, maybe 12 or 20 And how much money is Michael Jordan making the Bulls franchise? Uh, I mean, it's Phil Jackson is worth it to keep Michael Jordan. I mean, there's just no way around that. Well, I I, I think there's the the intrinsic arrogance there, the the belief that Michael Jordan made the team, right? Um, and he certainly was the bedrock, right? But you need to have a good coach um, that has a good relationship with the star player to keep the whole locker room engaged. Um, oh yeah, it, you know. It, it, I, well, I we think, also we also had the quote, right? We had the quote from him that said, um, "Organizations win championships, not players," which. Alone, but anyway. Yeah, alone, so, but, but, it, but even regardless, even, even if you caveat it with alone, I mean, that's a completely crazy thing to say. Right. So I think that the other side of it, I could see there being a viewpoint that Jordan is so driven and is running the team so much that a good coach is less necessary. Like, 
I understand that there's that relationship there, but like any good coach should be able to plug in. I, I assume that was his thinking. And so like, why are we presumably essentially overpaying for a coach with this much talent? Well, because Jordan said, I won't play for anyone else. Right. I hundred, like a hundred percent agree. And, and as Brady said, like he had to call, like cards were down and, and you have to figure out what you're going to do. And so, so Jordan retired because like he was serious about that. Um, and to the point that Levi made earlier, like we were all young then, and we have a lot more information now, like you guys are a lot more well-versed in like what you might do with trading players and, and like advantages you might take, but like. I don't think that people knew quite as well how productive and how uh, still in the game Jordan was going to be going forward, as well as a lot of the other bull players. Well, I will say that I think part of the reason that he wasn't brought back and wasn't chased by other teams is that there was a lockout the next season. So in 1999, there was a lockout. Three quarters of the season was was out because of a, uh, a strike with the NBA Players Association, and uh, they ended up doing a shortened season, and the Knicks won, asterisk, doesn't really, it's not a real championship. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, Levi. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think that like 13-year-old me even knew, you bring Jordan back, if you can. He, he clearly still, I mean, he was averaging like, what, 26, 27 a game? He clear, clearly had a lot left in the tank. Yeah, so, by the way, my reaction watching this, Yuri um, Krause is saying organizations alone, uh, or players alone don't, don't, don't build championships, organizations do, or, or, or the reverse there. Um, my immediate thought was, that's the white lives matter of management styles, right? <laughs> <laughs> sort of missing the point in the whole thing. Um, but no, he's, like, he, he's clearly a very insecure man, right? Um, and and that's, that's, that's sad. In, in well, some regards, didn't help that because we have even footage in the documentary of Jordan walking up to him and asking if he was taking diet pills because the man's overweight. Like, I, oh, 100%. The <laughs> players did beat him up. <laughs> the documentary takes pains to beat up on him, too, putting forward the theory that all of his motivations were that he was always the short, the short, fat kid and that it motivated him going forward. And did y'all see the scene in the very beginning of the documentary when Krauss had his car keys out and he was walking out to the parking lot and it looked like he was pressing the button to find his car where it is, but it was just right in front of him the whole time? Mm -hmm. <laughs> did he yeah. not know where his car was when it was right in front of him the whole time? Did not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that, that the, the players beat him up. A little more. I can relate to that. Well, I, I can too, but I mean, the, player, the players beat him up. Um, but I, I to, to agree with Levi, I just, I just don't think there's any reason that if Michael Jordan still averaging 26, 27 points a game, you would force him out of the organization. I don't understand. And then it ended up being spectacularly a failure because the next 10 years, they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, I think part of that's just evolution of the game. I mean, to a certain extent, but. I mean, I think it, I mean, so we don't belabor, uh, works in peace, uh, Jerry Krause for so long. I did find it really interesting, right? Is that is a lot of this is being mediated a through the players who had, who had personal beef. Um, so, so, um, and then, um, 
coach who had had personal beef, and then the owner. Then the owner seems to likes to frame things to benefit to benefit benefit himself. He's being yep. very cagey, saying, you know, mm-hmm. he was a little bit rough. People said don't hire him, but you know. It's what happened, and I, I come in and clean up after him. But he's a good man. It, it was a very, very self-serving uh, perspective on on either absent management um, or complicit agreement with the strategy. That was interesting to see. That's it was, absolutely right. Yeah, go ahead, Spencer. It was interesting to see the owner directly intervene, or he'd sometimes go go around behind Jerry Krause's back with respect to some of the decisions that he was making, including with respect to the coach. Even there, where he, he basically said that you know. It was me individually that kept the coach on for the last season. Otherwise, he would have left. Otherwise, he would let him go. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're doing episode one and two. So the start of episode two really gets into the Scotty Pippen contract situation. Now, I'm really, really glad that Brady has joined the pod because Brady, for years in our friendship, has been a Scotty Pippen fan. So, Brady, I want you to elaborate a little bit on how great Scottie Pippen was. Scottie Pippen is the third greatest basketball player of the 1990s. <laughs> That's Michael the take Jordan I wanted. <laughs> Clearly, Michael Jordan is number one. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Hakeem Olajuwon is number two. Mm-hmm. Number three is Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen does everything. Scottie Pippen was, is like the precursor to LeBron. He's the point forward. He's like 6'9". He plays defense like a point guard, does everything else like a point guard. He just happens to be 6'9". He can guard anybody on the court. He can shoot. It's a total package. I mean, he, in a lot of ways, he was more of a total package than even Jordan was. Jordan just had a whole nother level of scoring. There There's the take I was waiting for. <laughs> I was waiting for the, he might be better than Jordan take. I was waiting for that. <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. But, you know, in any, one day, you know, Scotty Pippen could carry that team. And, you know, you look at what happened when Jordan retired the first time. I mean, Pippen took the Bulls right to the Eastern Conference Finals pretty much by himself. I mean, and, I don't know how y'all feel about Tony Kukoc, but I, I'm not a big fan. Tony Kukoc to me is not carrying the day. He's a fine role player. You know, Dennis Rodman was one of the greatest role players ever, but nonetheless, he's not a scorer. I mean, Scottie Pippen was the machine for the Bulls for two years, and they still almost won the championship again. Okay, so um, BJ Spencer, you guys aren't like you know obviously big NBA fans. Um, after watching the first two episodes. What was your opinion of Scotty Pippen? Uh, and I'll go to BJ first. Um, I guess, like, I, I got more of of him as a person, um, which I thought was interesting. Like, I think he he's incredibly relatable as a person, and like, I you start to understand a lot of the uh, decisions that he made weren't the best decisions as a ball player. I think, but given the background that you get on him in the second episode, I think as a person, they make a lot of sense. Um, basically, given his older brother and his father ending up in wheelchairs from a fairly young age, and, and it, he, he obviously felt that it fell to him to try and help support his family. And so signing the longer contract, that probably wasn't as beneficial 
to to his career in retrospect, like I think was the best decision that he could have made at the time because like I he obviously was really worried about his own uh, fragility. Given, yeah. given so what, yeah, I I agree, BJ. And what and what for the listeners, what BJ's talking about is Scotty Pippen, I think it was an eight year contract that he signed in nineteen ninety five. Two or three, seven seven years, seven years, sixteen million. Okay, seven years. Yeah, Uh, but it it made him criminally underpaid um, toward the end of his uh, the end of that contract, and the Bulls weren't willing to renegotiate it. And you know, I think that of course spurned him uh, to 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 leave the Bulls. He went to the Rockets for I think two years, and then he went to went to the uh, the Blazers. But yeah, that's what BJ's talking about. Spencer. So his his dad had a stroke. Uh, when he was relatively young, it seemed like, and then his um, one of his older brothers had a freak accident while wrestling in high school and basically got paralyzed. And so that scared I, the shit out of me, by the way. Really? Like just the idea that you could just be like normal high school wrestling and get paralyzed like that—that that was that's tough. I mean, we're all thankful that Levi survived his uh, high school career. I feel like <laughs> the position he played was not ideal. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that was like, I guess at, at, from everybody in the, the show so far, I think Pippin is the most relatable and uh, like your heart goes out to him. Cause like, you can tell that, um, he really stepped up with, with Michael Jordan and like pushing him to succeed. And so I think he was a better, like, at, at least is framed that he is a better player because of it. Um, and then felt that he was done dirty. I mean, and, and that seems pretty clear. And so like, I sympathize with his reactions. Spencer, what'd you think of, uh, Scotty Pippen? I didn't really know much about the background of it going into this. I'm really just working off what they showed me. And I agree with BJ that he comes across as being pretty sympathetic in terms of his, his background before he went into basketball, how, why he got, I mean, even even them saying that he got into basketball just so he could get out of his home, of how depressing it was being at home with two family members that were confined to a wheelchair and going through that process. That is immensely sympathetic. With respect to the contract, I almost wonder whether a certain degree of the resentment, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but from at least the way the documentary frames it, his two main points of resentment that lead to all the problems that are occurring this season are that he was criminally underpaid and all of the discussions about him being traded to another team being done publicly. It seems like you very personally resented that. Do I have that right in terms of how, how they framed it? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, but I mean, but Pippen also did some things that weren't great. I mean, like he waited for the surgery until the season the, started. That's the point I'm going into. For as much as he comes across as very individually sympathetic to us, it's very interesting to see how much the other teammates don't seem to sympathize with him. Well, they openly acknowledge that he was criminally underpaid. They particularly Michael Jordan, for example, resent his actions and decisions with respect to this season and his interactions with management, where they seem to really be framing it as he was behaving immensely, in, that he was in a bad position, but he was behaving immensely immaturely with respect to it. Um, with to his resentment towards his contract, it seems like a certain degree of his resentment there is directed at himself. It was a decision that he made with the contract he entered into fully understanding. Apparently, he, whether you believe the owner or not, even the owner told him that he was entering into a bad deal. Um, so, I mean, zero percent chance that happened. By the way, no. zero did not happen. Did no. I was going to ask. They said, "Hey, Scotty, here's true. your contract. Let's sign it." Yes. <laughs> um, 
But I think the other side is like Jordan calling somebody out for being selfish is kind of funny. Um, Damn. Yes, agreed. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I think I think what what Pippin did was in some ways selfish, but I think is in other ways a he's demonstrating his value um, by being out in the season. And I also think that um, for, for health reasons, if he had gotten the surgery right after the season, he, I, my presumption is he essentially didn't trust himself not to basically be semi forced into playing when he wasn't fully recovered and presume like he might've been recovered by then and he might not have, but if that was the plan, he would have returned and he might not have been well enough to actually play and gotten injured and then completely screwed himself rather than basically committing to, I'm going to be out for some part of the season. He's not going to get as much pressure pressure to play before he's really able to. Yeah, I see what you're saying, uh, BJ, but I, I will point out that um, this thing of players waiting for the season to have the surgery when they're hurt at the end of the last season is not like that's happened many times. Um, and Levi, I think you probably have followed many players who have done that. I mean, what's your take on that? Is that fair? Um, well, so, so my perspective is that this guy was being clever, clever as fuck, right? Um, he's saying, okay, you got a contract with me. That's okay. You can't renegotiate. I guess I am contractually obligated to play for you. I'm not contractually obligated to, to get surgery in the off season. You're, you're, you're not paying me for it. So why do, it's a big why do it? Finger, yeah. um, it's mm-hmm. like, look, no, we all have contracts. We have rules. We, we've signed legal papers. Uh, I'm going to follow those legal papers. If you want to compensate me more to do more, I, I'll gladly do that. He was, he was being condescending. Um, and I, I can, I can appreciate the gesture. Um, but yeah, I mean, the famous example, right. Is, is the, the shack. Um, I got hurt yeah. mm-hmm. yep. um, for BJ and Spencer. Uh, he, he basically gave a quote of, I got hurt on company time. I'm gonna get better on company. Co- I'm gonna get better on company time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's it's got a long history of uh, of athletes doing that. Typically, it's due to laziness. Um, in this case, it, it is due to like just thumbing their nose up at management, which right. I I can re- I can respect. It was yeah. interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Britt. Go ahead, Spencer. It was interesting from a filmmaking standpoint of where they seem the documentary guys seem to purposely frame it in contrast to the uh, decision that Michael Jordan made when he was hurt. Where those two were in the same episode and they're seemingly yeah. made in direct response to each other in some ways, or is to contrast the dedication of the two players, whether that's fair or not. I think yeah, that, part of it is true. this documentary, while it is about the Bulls, is also about my like michael jordan yeah, specific it is yeah and so absolutely. and so i i my presumption is he had some say in it basically saying like i was committed you weren't okay so here's what i know about the documentary is that uh jordan released the footage to the person who made the documentary but he wasn't involved in actually editing it or creating the content but it took him like 20 years to agree to release the footage, which, you know, we can speculate why it took that long or why he chose now or whatever. But I do want to go to Brady. Brady, what do you think about this idea um, that, that, that that Pippen basically, you know, did, had his surgery during the year as opposed to during the offseason? 
you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I think what you're really seeing is what this whole documentary is about. It's kind of about the evolution of the power of players. You know, nowadays in the NBA, you can have a contract, but it's not worth anything because the players will just sit out anyways and demand a trade, and they can go wherever they want for the most part nowadays. You know, back in the mid-'90s, Pippen couldn't do that. You know, if Pippen wanted to sit out or hold out, he would have been just murdered by Killed, yeah, exactly. They would have said, oh, these players make so much money anyways, and they can't even play for these fans that are blue-collar fans that are working hard to do that. And, you know, it's interesting. If you think about it, it was, what, 1997, you know, it, it it was what we're talking a little over 20 years ago. It was in 1970 that. Or, oh, by the way, this is the only research I've done for this thing. So uh, <laughs> the rest, the rest is going to be complete gut feeling. Um, Shout out to you. So, so Kurt Flood, you know, he had, he was the major league baseball player that tried to fight free agency back in the 1970s, and before that, you couldn't even be a free agent at all. So you know, we're only talking 25, 27 years after that. This is almost the midpoint time between Kurt Flood and the present. So I think we're starting to see the evolution of players have more power to be like, you know, I don't like my contract. I'm just not going to play anymore. I'm really good at basketball. Eventually, someone else is going to give me a contract if I just don't play. And But Pippen didn't have the power to do that. One, he wasn't Michael Jordan. Two, the media was just different back then. There wasn't a very player-friendly media. It was still old newspaper reporters. And, you know, if it was nowadays, Pippen probably would have just held out and got a new contract, and that would have been the end of it. Oh, he'd have been a max player, no doubt, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. The, the one other thing that's interesting to me, though, is that I don't know if y'all saw that. Uh, I think it was Scotty Pippen's wife sent out a tweet last night, and it basically, she basically pointed out that over their careers that Pippen made more money in salaries than – Michael Jordan did, which I found surprising. I didn't know that. How, what? What? Whoa! What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jordan Pippen made thirty-six made the last million, uh, the last year. How? How the hell did Scottie Pippen make more than him? Well, because Scottie Pippen went to the Rockets and got paid big for two one year. Then he went to Portland and got paid big for four years. Then he went back to Chicago and got paid big for what? Another two or three years after that. That's, that's something I didn't know. Levi, did you know that? Um, I did not know it specifically, but I do know that Michael Jordan was paid relatively um, modestly as a professional. There were those two years where he got a bloated out salary, but otherwise um, he made reasonable yeah. amounts then of money. When, then when he went back to the Wizards, he, you know, obviously he was the owner, so he didn't give a shit about making a lot of money. He made very little money. Yeah, that's, that's weird. I can't believe Scotty Pippen made more than Michael Jordan. I mean, like, count two and right? Well, yeah, exactly. no, no. BJ's 100% right. It, it, we're just talking about salary, but it, that still doesn't make any sense to me. That seems crazy. I mean, um, I assume at a certain point, like once he had Nike and uh, Wheaties, I feel like he was on something else. Anyway, like once he had like some serious endorsements, a vast many things. <laughs> well, All a vast many things, but I feel like. <laughs> There were a couple that were like big and in uh, the Gatorade Gestalt. Yeah. Gatorade, uh, McDonald's were the. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
McDonald's? Haynes, yep. He's still endorsing Haynes. He's in commercials still. Oh, he had that. Yeah, he did the, the yeah. really terrible commercial with the Hitler mustache. Good God, Michael, what are you doing? <laughs> While we're talking about commercials, um, so I don't know if you guys got to say commercials. Well, oh it's, it's broadcast TV. Um, but I think the, 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 the key thing that I, I took away is I hate Facebook. Um, I got ton, <laughs> tons of the Facebook company ads in there with them, them pretending that they're somehow important for this COVID-19 fight. Yeah, they um, are co-opting the COVID thing. That pisses me off, too. I, yeah, I've not used them for, for quite some time. Um, and I just, it was such a visceral reminder of, oh, yeah, you're a bad company. You're just like a ridiculous company. That's what you are. So uh, one thing, like, I don't know if you guys watch the, um, every year Google does like a year end video. Um, and I was telling Sarah like two weeks ago, I was like, the, the Google year end video is going to kill me this year because it's just a, such a sideways year. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's really upset me. Um, but uh, back to the, back to the pod, I do want to know. Spencer, I'm going to start with you. Uh, UNC has was was in the pod or uh, in the documentary, right? Like you, you saw bit, Williams, yeah. you saw Dean Smith. How did you feel like North Carolina was UNC was portrayed? I didn't see it being portrayed particularly negatively. I mean, where they continually referred to the coaches in glowing terms. Roy Williams was given a lot of opportunity to just you know, gush about Michael Jordan for, uh, for his development um, in terms of the scouting, wherever they did everything else. I didn't think very negatively where they really frame it as being that he was a good high school player, but when he came to UNC, that was when he became the Titan that he was going to, he was eventually going to become. I know. I like that story where Roy Williams talked about, um, he said, uh, Michael, Michael came to him and said, I'm going to be the best player, you know, in, in, in basketball history or something like that. And, and Roy said, okay, we have to work hard. You have to work harder than you did in high school. And Michael said, well, I work, what are you talking about? I worked as hard as everybody else. And Roy said, well, hold on. I thought you said you wanted to be the best. <laughs> and then Michael got pissed and said, yeah, I'm going to be better. Watch me. And he, you know, obviously he did. Uh, BJ, how did you like feel that. like UNC exactly. was portrayed? Roy Williams has told that story. Uh, 4,721. <laughs> this week or? or that <laughs> I was going to say, he has it down. Like he has that story down, like the meat, like everything about it. Like he has told that story enough times, so it hits every time. Yep, completely so, agree. But BJ, how did you think, um, as, as somebody who's not a big basketball fan, how did you feel like UNC was portrayed? Um, I thought they were portrayed interestingly. Like it was very, it wasn't basketball to a certain extent that they were portrayed as. It was a, this is a place where Jordan matured, but it didn't talk about UNC basketball for the most part, except briefly to say that it's not a, like, it, it's not a program that caters to stars, which is one of the things that, that, that I actually sort of do know because I, while I'm not a particular fan of basketball, I do watch UNC basketball like enough to know that it, it for many, many years, and especially under Dean Smith, was it's a team game and, and you're expected to play as a team. And so I thought it was interesting that they included that. And it really felt to me, I, I think that they got a, a fair shake, but it really, uh, what was that? 
Go ahead. Uh, I thought Brady said something. Anyway, I think they got a fair shake. Yeah, and that I was think, my chair. Sorry, I keep chair. And and I think that that but it wasn't portrayed much as a like anything happened basketball wise other than like he improved, mm-hmm. and and so like I. I don't know. I was happy to see all of the stuff because, you know, nostalgia and, and it, you know, it's cute and it's fun and, and things like that. But um, it would have been more interesting to me if there was a little bit more like how he developed as a player, like what what changed and what he learned rather than just like it happened. Yeah, there's that old joke that the only person that could hold Michael Jordan under 20 points a game was Dean Smith. It was interesting. The main thing, main thing they chose to emphasize about what he learned there was just the rigid disciplinarianism and what even he frames. That's one of the main things he took to the Bulls was just this utterly clean laced professionalism. In contrast, what was the nickname of the Bulls they said about the cocaine coach or something like that? Oh yeah, the, the, yeah, the coke conversation. Yeah, Bulls uh, traveling cocaine circus was the name that. Yeah. I like how Jordan just laughed and laughed, and then finally was like, "Yeah, that's true." Yeah, that happened. Originally, thought he was going to try to pull off his, uh, you know, and even says like, oh, "I didn't see any of that in front of me." And then, not a minute later, he goes into the story about, "Yeah, I walked into the room, and there was the cocaine lines there, there were the marijuana guys there, there were the guys with the girls there." Yeah, it was all true. Yeah, that's that's what that's what Spencer would do, right? Like, if you <laughs> walked into that party, you would you would probably act the same way. Yeah, why do you guys keep inviting me to those parties with you guys? Oh, that's not true. That's that's slander. Um, <laughs> but it is a bridge, right, between like this 1970s and 1980s NBA where there was a lot of drugs, um, real problem for the league. And then the, they inst- started instituting uh, drug testing in the 1990s. And then by the time that Jordan retired for the second time, uh, I think I think it was a little bit better. Uh, but anyway, I, w- I was on the, the subject of how UNC is pr- portrayed. I went to to BJ and Spencer. Uh, Brady, what did you think? Well, I thought it was a great recruitment video, and uh, I appreciated every minute of it. I think they nailed it. Uh, Chapel Hill is a wonderful place. But I have a question about that. You know how Jordan got hurt, and then he was like, well, let me go back to college. I want to study. (laughs) Yeah. And it turns out he starts playing college basketball. Or start playing basketball with the college kids again, probably in violation of his contract. Uh, yes, likely so. in violation of his contract. Now, did Dean Smith and Roy Williams know he was playing basketball? Were they encouraging it? I mean, he was probably using UNC's gym, right? I'm sure. I'm sure Dean they knew, was, yeah. You think Dean was coaching him? I don't know if he was coaching him, but I think they had to know, right? Because he was doing five he on five. In, he was in a pool in, like, full gear. Like, there's no way that like everybody didn't know like what was happening. I mean, I assume he was playing against people on the UNC team, but like. Well, there's a difference there, that's right? That's my thought too. But, and that surprises me that, you know, Dean Smith, who, you know, obviously was this great patriarch and do things the right way at all times type of person was like, yeah, come on back, Jordan. Come, come practice with my players, get them better while your foot is broken. Ooh, is this an anti-Dean Smith take? Mm-hmm. It's, I, I'm wow. trying not to be taken here, but I, I, I'm surprised too that it's coming out of my mouth. I can't even believe the words, but I, I did. I was struck by that. 
And I, I, I just don't know, have enough information about it to form a take, but that's why I tried to phrase it as a question. But it does seem that maybe Dean Smith uh, just is a great foot doctor and knew what Jordan could do better than Gary Brown. <laughs> Diverse talents. Yeah, he was able to figure out what, what bone was broken and when it healed. Yeah, go ahead, so BJ. The other side of it is I feel like once Jordan rehab at, at a certain point, he probably was just like, Coach Smith, like, let me at least play play with the boys. Like, you know, let, let me see where I'm at. Like, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. And I, th- I would assume both uh, Roy and, and, and Dean Smith were just like, all right, well, you know, let, let's see how you're doing. Well, I would like to point out the respect that this uh, group seems to have for UNC in the sense that Michael Jordan lied to the Chicago Bulls, but we assume he didn't lie to Dean Smith. <laughs> he could have potentially just lied to Dean Smith and Roy Williams as well. So you're, you're, you're really not taking my input here. So, so my opinion of the whole matter is that Dean Smith, much like Dean Smith in his later years and Roy right. Williams, is very much not involved in the particular the student athletes are in the gym. They're not aware yeah. of the they take. Uh, there's, there's no awareness of the day-to-days of these athletes. I'm cutting this out. Um, I'm cutting it out. I'm cutting well, it out. I also th- I, but even if Dean Smith did, like, wasn't aware, I assume Roy would have been. First of all, and second of all, like I feel like they would know if somebody's doing rehab in the pool. Like, yeah, you're, you're really stuck on the pool. I mean, the pool was fine. The pools didn't have a problem with the pool. It was the five on five they had a problem with. But anyway, no, no, no. like I, I understand that, but I'm just saying, like as a like, we need access to the pool so so he can do rehab. I feel like is something that they would be aware of. I think it's very unlikely. I think it's more than likely just went down to the equipment manager and was like, hey, I need to get in the pool. And they're like, yeah, cool. No one's there. Um, like, that's the deep part of the gym. That part to me is not the hang up. I mean, obviously, they, they had some awareness. It, it's very plausible that, that that they asked Michael, like, what's the situation? What are you, what's okay for you? And he goes, well, I can just play when I feel good. And, and they took it at, at face value. It was 1985, 86, right? It's not like they're shooting a text over to people and figuring that stuff out. Um, it was a low information time, right? So they they, they didn't follow up um, in all likelihood. I I I think it shows how much of a, of a fan of Roy Williams all you folks are that it, it it seemed pretty obvious to me he's a serial killer in some of the stories that he tells. What? Yeah, he has such like a such a sneer and like anger to him when he's trying to uh, play the role of Michael Jordan, which you could call him a good actor, or you could say he's a serial killer and has a lot of anger inside of him. Brady, get him. What? <laughs> he called our coach a serial killer. Go, Brady. You know, I, I think you're, what you're – so, Levi, there's a thing called all shucks, and that's just that guy from the mountains trying to be a guy from the beach in North Carolina. They don't talk. They don't know each other. There's some age difference. There might be some racial differences as well, and that's just a bad impersonation from a person from the mountains trying to impersonate the person from the beach. I wouldn't read too much into that. The other side is like I feel like Levi would probably have the best like serial killer radar out of all of us. So because he is one. <laughs> uh, there's there's slander going on here. Um, I'm not entirely tied to that opinion, but it did jump out at me that he had a lot of anger inside of him, which he can play the role of fairly seamlessly. 
almost as though he has that naturally inside of him. I don't know. I thought Roy came off pretty good in it, um, yeah, but he is my coach. Spencer, uh, do you think Roy Williams is a serial killer? I do Killer, but I'll agree with Levi that some of the uh, just expressions he had on his face when he was going through those stories were fascinating to watch. It was either that that guy has so thoroughly gone through these stories that he's even acted out what his expressions are going to be, or it's just weird because they were so precise. It was so carefully worked out about each element of the stories he was going to tell that each turn of his eyebrow was on point to emphasize certain things. He's told this story disagree. Disagree. forever. This is this is this is more rehearsed than the New York Mike story. Like this is, this is shout out whiskey on the weekends all the time. That's right, and it has to be rehearsed. It can't be real anger because if it's real anger, he gets vertigo and passes out. Uh, he did. It Just like coach, like when Coach K is losing and he gets vertigo and passes out. Yep, that's it. Same thing. So. Um, <laughs> This is something that wasn't. I mean, it was it was gestured to uh, in the documentary, but it, they honestly didn't harp too much on statistics other than the context of uh, Scottie Pippen. Um, Michael Jordan's first ten games, uh, he scored twenty seven points a game, uh, six re six rebounds, uh, four and a half assists, almost three steals, two blocks, um, on fifty one percent shooting. Uh, that was the out of the box. <laughs> I'm really glad player. you brought that up, Levi, because like that's a thing that I think most people don't really understand about Michael Jordan is how quickly he was good. Like as soon as he got there, he was doing 30 a game. And, like, and that's that's unheard of. So they they made the point that the players and the coaches knew that, right? But they didn't just they didn't make it very clear how how much it, that was the case against uh, competitors, right? They, they gave the kind uh, the 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 aside to city Moncrief, who was like, he's going to be, he's going to be dangerous or it's going to be bad. Um, it was always in the context of he's going to develop into a, a rough player, but he was destroying the league right out of the gate. He was, but not enough respect for Sidney Moncrief, by the way, that dude was really good. I just want to point that out. Anyway, go ahead, Spencer. I got to ask you guys who are in the know about that. Where the documentary frames it as if that was a complete surprise is that he was brought in like, was the fifth pick for the bulls or something like that? Or was Third, third, and that hey, he was a good player in college. Maybe we'll do okay. And then everybody's like congratulating and patting themselves on the back that they lucked out in getting him on the team. Is that accurate, or is that something that they're kind of you know exaggerating to a certain degree? Okay, so that's was, a good question. A and I, that's a really good question, and I think we can answer that through a slightly different question. And so I'm going to throw it to Levi first. Levi, would you have taken Michael Jordan first or Akeem Olajuwon? This is this is gonna be your hot take, which is that maybe Hakeem goes first. Um, obviously it's Michael Jordan. Um, I, I think in retrospect, Hakeem was probably the right pick, and he, he ended up being really good. And that, that's my take on it: is that as crazy as it seems, the best basketball player of all time. I don't think I would have taken him first. So, so Spencer, to sort of address your question, um, it, drafting in the '80s and, and into the '90s was a shit show. I mean, it, it was unclear. Like people were getting, I mean, people were, were, were drafting insane players, um, very high. You know, people have coke problems. Um, shout out Lim Bias. Um, wow. Whoa. Look out. Um, yeah. I mean, so it, it was. It was basically a shit show. Um, so they certainly. He wasn't that hyped up. He wasn't a sure thing. Um, but he was even better than they expected, right? I mean you draft the greatest of all time and he wasn't first in retrospect. You're like, well, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, 
Which is, by the way, Terry, w- would be the point, which is career rankings. Where, where would you put it? Michael Jordan. Well, then, I mean, then obviously, obviously MJ's one, but like I, I go back in retrospect and I, I don't fault the Rockets for taking Hakeem Olajuwon. Like it, it, at the time, that was a good pick. And also he ended up being an extremely good one-two championship. So you can't argue with it. Won two championships when, when Michael Jordan wasn't there, but eh, yeah, fair enough. Um, no, no, well, I, no, he won one when Michael was there. Eh, Shaq beat him. Shaq beat him. The Orlando Magic. Uh, Brady, what do you think of this argument? Uh, would you have taken Jordan one? I would like to think I would, but I know I, I, I agree with the documentary and those people that said everybody still agrees now. Elijah one was the right pick, and. It, I think that that's what people don't understand about how revolutionary Michael Jordan ended up being. You know, basketball is a game for tall people. You know, not many NBA championship teams, I don't believe, you might find a few, didn't have, you know, the most dominant big guy winning the game. And Jordan, I think, kind of changed that a little bit. Like, all of a sudden, it was a small a shooting guard was the best player in the league. You know, even with like, you know, the Lakers in the 80s, you know, Magic Dr. Johnson, J with the 76ers, yeah. Well, yeah, but he had Moses Malone. He was pretty good down low, and, and they didn't win that many. You know, it was mostly Kareem winning a lot. Yeah, and I guess what? Who? And even on the Celtics, I mean, yeah, Larry Bird was probably the most famous player, but I mean, they had a lot of seven footers too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah, were Kevin they McHale, were huge Robert teams, Parrish, so, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think I, I forget who said it, but it might have been Dean Smith once who said, you can't teach tall. I mean, you, you, you got to go with the height. Yeah, and I think it would have taken him too. Now, um, question uh, for BJ and Spencer. So Kobe obviously died early, earlier this year, and so you saw a lot of Kobe highlights. Um, when you're looking at Jordan, you know, in, in some of these, these, these highlights when he was in his prime, did you see a connection there? Did you did you see that that Kobe looked a lot like Jordan? Because for me, like as I watched them, I was like, man, it's very obvious that that Kobe took a lot of his game from Jordan. BG, I'll start with you. I mean, I think that pretty much as a um, as what they can do and like what they're good at, like. Jordan paved a path for other players to take. Mm-hmm. And Kobe was exceptionally good at that path. And, and so, like, it makes sense that he took so many cues and uh, aspired to do the same things. And so, so yeah, I, I, like, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and also, like, that's where that the game was, sort of, like, when that torch had, you could say was being passed. Well, you're talking about it intellectually. And, and what I'm really after is just, <laughs> no, and, and, and seriously, like what I'm, I'm really after is just from your eyesight, like, like when you're just watching basketball, did the two players look similar to you? I think there are some similarities. I, I find it hard to see the same like floating grace that, that Jordan seems to have when he like goes for a dunk. Like, it just doesn't look like it should happen, and it does. And I like I just don't see that as much with with pretty much any other player. Okay, Spencer, same question. 
Honestly, don't watch enough basketball right nowadays to know, but it, it seems like that since Michael Jordan, everyone is assuming the All-Star is going to be in the same role as him, that he's kind of defined what the greatest basketball player is going to be, whether that's fair for any generation or not. Everyone's just kind of searching for that equivalent going forward. So everyone's going to be viewed in that lens and assumed that those particular attributes of the player are one of the markers of that kind of grade. How does Kobe look to you in comparison? I don't watch, I didn't watch basketball enough to really know much about Kobe. I mean, I knew about Kobe mostly from what you guys have told me. So I don't really have enough frame of reference to see him specifically. But whenever he was talked about, it was always in the sense of how does he compare to Michael Jordan? In what ways are their numbers directly comparable? So it's, all, it's like from the very moment he started, it was always going to be that he was viewed as, does he bring the same kind of skills and the same array of skills that Michael Jordan does? or doesn't. Right. Which is largely unfair, but I, I, I do, uh, the reason I bring this up is because we watched a lot of, uh, in these, these first two episodes, um, uh, footage of Jordan in the 97 to 98 season. And in that season, he wasn't as athletic and he was doing a lot of back to the basket, a lot of uh, uh, fadeaways. And that's something Kobe picked up later in his career. And I was just struck when I was watching it as, oh, wow, that like, that really looks like Kobe to me. Like as he was, uh, you know, as as Jordan was kind of doing that old man game. Uh, Brittany, what do you think? <laughs> Brady, do we have you? Oh, you're asking me? Oh, yeah, I would say you're exactly right. I mean, Kobe obviously emulated Jordan to, to great effect. I mean, if you're going to pick someone to emulate, you might as well pick the greatest. And if you can actually do that and win five championships, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Levi, am I off base or it, were you seeing the same thing when you were watching that, you know, late career Jordan footage? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, it, that's that's sort of uh, almost established fact, right, at this point, that that was, that was A, his motivation uh, to, to become like Michael Jordan, and B, that he's going to uh, adopt a similar game. Um, and it, it's also the smart game, right? I mean, Old men, you know, people in their 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 upper thirties, lower forties playing basketball, um, who are guards play the same way basically, right? They a lot of back back to the basket, a lot of slow plays, a lot of fadeaways, because that's how they can get separation. Um, they can't do it through a jab step. Um, yeah, like Barkley Barkley pointed out that after thirty five, he just prayed everybody went for his pump fake because he didn't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so Spencer, you, you didn't watch much basketball and in, in, in many respects still don't. Um, but the thing you're quite right about is that he that he, he paved the way and it, it almost was a scorched earth policy. So Michael Jordan ruined NBA basketball um, for about 10 years after he left because every every guard was trying to be Michael Jordan and none of them were. So between like Alan Houston, Latrell Sprewell, um, Tracy McGrady. Well, Tracy McGrady actually had some stuff behind him, um, but they all tried to play exactly like Michael Jordan did. Kobe perfected that. He was the best of that sort of class of, of players post-Jordan. And it wasn't until LeBron came into his ascendancy that there was a different template, a different like, physical style of play that was was different, that it was clear enough that he's he's not going to be Michael in terms of his direct play style. Now it's a question of, of titles and success and all those things. But he, he definitely, the post-Jordan years were rough. Um, they were, and, and I remember like there being sort of people yeah i was gonna say iverson people like offered up that we're gonna maybe not take that that crown or anything but like make their own mark and um 
before I was at UNC, I was, I was in New Jersey. And so Iverson was huge, huge, huge. And like fizzled out. Like he just didn't have the same, like he just couldn't cut it in. Comparatively. That's, what, that's what happens when you stay up all night, uh, drinking and gambling, <laughs> uh, during the NBA season, you kind of flame out in your early thirties. I got to say, it surprised me about this documentary that I was expecting was the amount of just somewhat odd cameos that would appear. Were you guys expecting two former presidents just to appear under? Hold up. Like, this needs to be a thing that is like the non-basketball stuff that I want to talk about. So I don't know if we want to start now. Yeah. Yeah. Fire away. Okay. So two former presidents. Did you see how they were tagged? Because that was what I said. Not as former president. I, yeah, former I, Chicago I, resident and former governor, former governor governor of Arkansas, because it was like referencing uh, like Central Arkansas State or whatever it was. You think you think Disney's scared of Trump? Is that what that was happening? <laughs> I hope they just have a sense of humor, because like that was legitimately funny. Yeah. So, um, thank you for bringing up the non-basketball stuff, because I have a question for each of you. Each of you are in a relationship with a um, another person. Um, <laughs> I cannot, for the life of me, realize, it, 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 does, it, it never occurred to me to force my, my girlfriend to call me Mr. Turner. It never occurred to me. And that's how Michael Jordan's mother refers to uh, her husband. It's always Mr. Jordan. <laughs> Such reverence and respect. I mean, it really was a different time. Like it, it's amazing. Uh, um, it, let's let's say tomorrow you asked your girlfriend to call you Mr. Turner. What's the percent success rate? So percents technically don't go to negative numbers, but but for effect they should, right? It's <laughs> zero percent chance that she's it's calling like, uh, you Mr. It's, Turner. It's, it's the same as the barrel of crude oil. The, the, the negative equivalent of that is what would happen to me is if I asked Bridget to do that, she would say no, and you're going to call me Miss Silver now until I say otherwise. I am BJ. In. It, you know it, what? It, oh, go I was gonna say it's a little it's bit more of a running it. joke, but go ahead, Brady. Yeah, like wasn't Mr. Jordan deceased at that point? So maybe that was the extra respect. respect. And uh, you know, so Levi, if you do die tomorrow, he can at least tell you that she'll call you Mr. Turner. <laughs> I can promise you, if you die tomorrow, I'm gonna call you Mr. Turner. Mm. We all. Uh, I can tell you that right I would. There. If I asked Sarah to do it, uh, she would do it like three or four times and then just be like, why am I doing like she would, she would do it initially. She would trust me, but then she just, why, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> you actually brought up something that was a funny story, like with my mom, because uh, she would address, like she would, she sends me letters every so often. And like, like actual written letters. Yeah. She's an old person. Oh, that's so cute. It is. It's adorable. And and then at some point after I like I, I graduated, I was like like you were so excited and proud, but you're still like putting like Mr. Slater. Like, what are you doing? And so opposed to doctor? Exactly. Oh, um, DJ, anyway. you. um so apart from that, so there are a bunch of other like non uh basketball things that I wanted to talk about. And one of them was the nineties had a look and it was so prevalent oh my goodness like the, the oversized suits and like mm -hmm. the the sweater 
uh, turtle sure. like mock turtleneck under uh, under the suit jacket. So one of the things BJ's talking about is opening night in uh, the 1997-1998 season uh, for Chicago Bulls. Scottie Pippen was not playing because, as we've discussed before, he decided to get the surgery before the season as opposed to before the start of the summer. And he is wearing a suit that is possibly three or four times larger. Now, BJ, you made fun of me on Whiskey on the Weekends for sending you a very large T-shirt. Um, do you think this was comparable, the, the Pippin oh, uh, suit? And, <laughs> and it's even funnier because, like, I mean, Jenko jeans were, were a thing back then. Oh, or, like, almost that, that like, wide-legged. And it's, it's just a, a, a thing to see. I thought he looked ridiculous. Uh, Brady, how did you feel about the Pippin suit? You know, it, it's funny. I think, I forget which NBA draft it is. I, it's either 2001 or 2002, or it might even, it could even be 03, but suits got bigger for about four more years in the NBA. We're, that isn't even the peak. Oh, and they size got shiny. Like got, oh, Iverson it. really participated in that, right? Because whenever like David Stern made Iverson wear a suit, it was it looked like pajamas. It was ridiculous. But I mean, the, it, it's unfortunate. Some things you look back on, they don't look good. Although I will say Jordan's suit on the bench in the '80s when he was hurt, I, that was a nice look. Yeah, he did look good. And I also like the French beret. That was a good look. Ooh, I didn't like that at all. Oh, this hard, hard disagree. <laughs> Levi, what'd you think about the beret? So, I mean, ultimately it's when in Rome, right? I mean, don't be that guy who, who doesn't have fun and is a little bit silly on vacation. God, stop being so uptight. Fair enough. So Levi, would you ever wear uh, like a mock turtleneck uh, with a suit instead of a tie? Oh, 100%. 100%. Right. I would love, to, I love it's to a clean see that. look. It's a clean look. <laughs> it's a look. I don't know about. It's an interesting look. Anyway, um, so yeah, Spencer what's your, just what's your uh, next, tossed in uh, 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 Sorry, Japan. sorry, BJ. Um, I, I was just going to say, um, we I think we've covered a lot of the basketball, but you were talking about some of the things from the doc that are non basketball related. What else do you have? Um, so uh, I loved Jordan showing up to practice in a Corvette. And then just like leaving it in the middle of the parking lot and walking away. What the hell was that? <laughs> That's such a great point. What was he doing? That looked like a scene from The Office, literally. Like it was like Michael Scott just driving up and just driving his fucking Corvette in the middle of the parking lot. That was astonishing to me. And and I just I imagine him not even like giving somebody his keys. He just doesn't care. He just kept them. <laughs> yeah, that was so fucking weird. Uh, Spencer, uh, you, you park like that at your, uh, your law office, right? Yeah, I have a parking deck. I, <laughs> that would be a problem if I tried to park like that. It'd block everybody from getting up the rest of the building. But yeah, that was, one thing we were going to discuss about this was that, uh, you guys had mentioned that Jordan expressed that he hadn't, he hadn't really worked much on the production of this, but he expressed that he was worried that the, sh the documentary would frame him as being too much of an asshole. Yep. Uh, what have you guys thought of the portrayal of Barkleter so so far? Are his concerns, you know, vindicated, or, or um, has this been a, a, a pretty fair portrayal? Pretty actually, I, I view it as a pretty light portrayal of him so far. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like they're being really nice uh, with certain things. Yeah, light portrayal so far, but I think it's gonna get worse. Yeah, so Spencer, you, you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn how much of an asshole he, he 
He truly is. I know because um, they got, but I hope for all, detail. All the assonness that that he really showed was, I mean, a the parking, but b just the the sort of disrespect to the general manager. But you know that's explainable. The fact he's the villain. Um, you're going to learn about his his you know beating up uh, uh, players on his team. Like he's 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 an asshole. They showed a little bit of that. Um, it's going to get it's going to get way worse. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's see. One of the other things, uh, the the playing golf for large sums of money was just really funny to me. And that, that was like... I, that gets more pronounced in Jordan's career as he goes forward. Um, he is a huge he's golf a, he's fan. He's a gambler? Uh, well, yeah, he is. And that's yeah. probably why I had to go play baseball. But the point being is that he loves golf. Uh, and he actually got down to a one or two handicap, which for folks who don't know that, I mean, that's borderline like amateur, like you could go on the amateur tour. Like it's it's really good. It puts you in the upper echelon of golf. Um, but what they would say is that Jordan would would go in the morning, play thirty six holes of golf, go to his game at seven, and then gamble until about three in the morning, sleep for four or five hours, wake up and do the same thing again. And and that begs the question, like how good could Jordan have been if he wasn't doing that shit? I mean, like, I don't, I, I, well, if he wasn't staying up till all hours, but I also feel like golfing probably wasn't like taxing him too much. And it was more, a little bit more unwinding rather than. Yeah, but 36 holes is a bit much there, BJ. Like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like six and a half hours. <laughs> it's not doing nine holes. It's, it's, it's not an easy little jaunt, right? Um, like, that, that would be tiring unless you're an absolute stud athlete if you're doing that regularly, plus an NBA game, plus staying out late. It's it's ins- utter insanity. Um, so so BJ, I, I think we need to clear out and let you uh, talk about uh, Michael Jordan's uh, whiskey glass because I think you have a lot of thoughts I, here. I have a couple more ah. things, uh, but but yeah, that that needs to come up. Um, so I so I want Pippin to do voiceover work. Like I think he would do like some amazing like narration. Um, I think I think. He 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 would do a good job on it. Um, like that southern draw, a little bit of the southern draw. Like he he his voice has a serious presence. Um, Michael Jordan talking about what he would drink back in the day. Spencer, would you drink orange juice and Sprite? Seven up, seven up. Uh, it, it was orange juice and Sprite. I'm pretty sure. Seven up. When they were saying mixed together, that was my question. I wasn't sure from when they said it whether they're mixing it together or not separately. Yes, I love those two together. No, that's delicious. Are you kidding me? That's like a faux mimosa. It's not the things I want to mix together. Oh God, you're wrong about that. That would be delicious. Seven up and uh, and orange juice. Very good. All right, BJ, what else you got? Um. Okay. So so what what uh. I was referring to is uh, so Michael Jordan essentially in the present day is in a very weirdly empty room um, and very Spartan. I, it kind of spoke to me. Um, yeah, kind of like the room you're in now. <laughs> yeah, not much on the walls, you know, very, very, very clean, you know, whatever. Um, and, and he's sitting there with a stogie and a full, a full, full, full like tumbler of whiskey like 
There, there, I mean, there was at least one scene where it was on the rocks. There was another scene where there were no rocks. So clearly he refilled and switched. There wasn't a, a wardrobe change or anything like that. And this isn't like a, a small tumbler glass. This is like a, a serious, like, that's like a almost a quarter bottle of whiskey right there that he's just going to town on. Okay. So I'm going to point out something I know about Michael Jordan, that he is... You know, he's a multi-billionaire, so he doesn't really care if you know this. But he drinks all day. Uh, he starts in the morning. Uh, and he has six to eight cigars every day. He doesn't hide this fact. Um, I've seen him on the Today Show, uh, which, you know, broadcast live starting at 6 a.m. And he did an interview. And he had a, like, a rocks glass full of tequila with him at about 7 a.m. That's what he does. I mean, so... That just reminds me of like Andre the Giant. Just like that's, there's got to be something <laughs> underlying it. Like, I don't know what I don't know what it is. I mean, you can call him, you can put labels on him if you want to, but that's what the guy does. Um, <laughs> um, so, do I hear a note of reference, Lee? Well, I mean, it, you know, <laughs> it'd be nice. <laughs> so I'm I, I'm curious. So BJ. I wasn't a science person in, in, in college. I didn't study a lot of science, but I do think that ice cubes do melt. So it's certainly possible that ice cubes melt in that, that drink and he didn't actually gobble uh, <laughs> the whole thing. I, the whiskey it, was dark. Like, I, I noticed. Like, it, it did not look like watered-down whiskey. Like well, to, I, Levi's point, one, sorry, the, to Levi's point, one thing I'd point out is that we see him very often in interviews drinking and smoking cigars during the interview, I don't know that I've ever seen him really sloppy drunk. So, well, I mean, given to be able to deal with it, given his eye situation, we're pretty sure that he's 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 got a pretty high tolerance. Um, the jaundice that he has there is 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 disturbing. Oh damn! Uh, mm. His his corners uh, did not look super healthy. But Brady, anyway. Brady, how do you feel about this slander? Well, you know, Jordan, drunk Jordan has given us some of our most finest quotes at the University of North Carolina. Uh, you know, the ceiling is the roof. You know, we wouldn't have had that gold mine unless it wasn't for a few. He was hot pretty pies. drunk when he said that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I mean, he, he, that's Uncle Mike. You know, Uncle Mike likes to have a cigar and have his whiskeys. Now, I think one thing to keep in mind is, you know. There could be some camera tricks involved, you know, it, it might be, well, let's just keep this full. And, you know, if they dump it out at the morning, I'm pretty sure there's probably someone there during, during the interview that was watching his drink and making sure it looked good on the camera. That it was and, full. And so and Jordan had to his wife. To pour out. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Brady. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I mean, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan can pretty much do whatever he wants. I mean, he, I will pretty much uh, revere him no matter what he does. He, he, he's just one of those people. It's like, if Jordan did it, Jordan can do it. Maybe not anyone else can do it, but Jordan can do it. Okay. Are we ready to talk about the flu game now? Because I think that's a good segue. Uh, the flu game, has not, uh, the flu game hasn't been, been mentioned so far. So, so I think we can hold off because I'm sure it's going to come up later. Okay. All right. We um, will. Yeah, so so BJ, you you had a sort of non basketball things to bring up. So one, uh, Scottie Pippen's friend, Ronnie Martin, best friend you could possibly have. 
when he's asking him about whether he he believed that he'd make it to the NBA, and he goes, huh, not really. Yeah, that, um, that, that was great. <laughs> I feel like if I was ever really successful in the interview you, Levi, you would give the same sort of interview. Absolutely. Yeah, I really didn't see it in him, no. <laughs> You know, the it's basketball related, um, but the the you know the Michael Jordan quote that's been been making the rounds now of uh, depends on how fucking bad the headache is, uh, does show a level of competitiveness which which is going to come out in quite a bit. Um, also, uh, Terry, so so I I want to continue my Roy Williams slander. Um, the double pump that Michael Jordan does does while at UNC, Roy would never tolerate such such behavior, right? Surely he he would bench the guy right afterwards and say it's disrespectful to the game. Yeah. Well, that would that would involve him calling a timeout. So I'm not quite sure he would mention him immediately. <laughs> I also like that that, that Roy was called. Play. <laughs> Roy was like, oh, referring to him as a youngster, and that was just so like on point for Roy. Yeah, I agree. But to your earlier point, he absolutely has a person who refills his glass, right? He had a person in France that that deflected signatures, um, like. And that was back in what '97, right? So he definitely has a uh, uh, a person who just monitors the class all day, every day. Oh yeah. I mean, I read stories about when Jordan turned 50 on his 50th birthday. Uh, Grantland did a big piece on him, and they talked about him starting to drink Coronas at 8:30 in the morning. Which I mean, you know, you got billions of dollars, do what you want to do, but. It's not surprising to me that when he gives an interview at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, he's got a glass of whiskey next to him. That's just his thing. I was going to say, I also, the judgment that, 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 that we have on him for drinking early in the morning. And, and I feel like I also yep, call it, yep. You know, whiskey on the weekend, like, yep, there you <laughs> go. In the morning when I'm starting <laughs> to drink whiskey. So uh, it, it's more of a degree rather than, than, than anything else. You know, you know, he's the, the, the article I read where they talked about him drinking Corona's at like 830 was that his wife really pushed him to relax because he's so competitive. He's constantly doing things to try to be super competitive. So so when he does that, I think he gets positive reinforcement from the people in his life. And they're like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that is get, that, gets, that gets sedated a little bit. You're not freaking out. That's such a weird thing. Like she she's pushing him to be like a like to, to continually have a buzz so he's livable. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably about fair. <laughs> uh, Spencer, your motion, like, do you honey, need to go? Like, you know, it's been 45 minutes since you woke up. Can I get you a, another beer? I was just waiting on my dog, so no, I don't need to go. Oh, yeah, he, that dog you hate? We don't need to go into that. We're talking about a documentary. Do we have anything else to say about documentary? Well, 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 BJ talked about, like, so, like, uh, myself, Levi, and Brady talked about the basketball aspect of this. Um, BJ talked about some things that were non-basketball related. Uh, Spencer, do you have anything that stuck out to you in the documentary that we haven't addressed yet? Mostly, I'm curious where it's going to go. Of where, if, what, a 10-part documentary, right? Yes. All going to be this one season. Well, no, no, no. no. They, they, you even saw in sorry, Levi, I cut you off. But in episode one and two, they they sh they showed the progression of Jordan's career. Yeah, but it's always been back to his days at Chapel Hill. Yeah, but this season is the framing device. They're always going to return. 
of where it's ground, but leading into the uh, how it led people to this season. Probably, Levi. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, it's a historical retrospective of. Uh, Michael Jordan through the lens of the found footage of the special footage that they have of this last season, right? So it's always a device, but it's telling the, the history and the story and the buildup into that career, right? So I his titles, um, all that's going to be there. I can almost guarantee it. That was my question of how they structured it. That with ten episodes in, with, with ten episodes they're going to put on this when we're already pretty deep into the season, is it going to be a little bit padded by the end of this? Just how, what, what 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 things can they include? And I agree with you, Lee, but they kind of really have to go into a lot of extra material beyond the season for it to work. I but think I'll be curious to say. Be honest with you, because there's so much leading up to that first Bulls championship and then Jordan's retirement. I, I, I think there's a lot. That was actually one question I had where. Uh, with respect to his first retirement, we went into ba- went into baseball. Jordan's way of describing that was in. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just making the money sign because I think oh, okay. he retired because he was betting. That was what I wanted to ask you about because what he describes in the documentary is that you know I took an eighteen uh, month vacation, something like that. I think it's what he refers to it. You know what, Spencer? That's a really astute point because I noticed that too. He was like. He was very flippant about leaving the NBA for 18 months. And at the time he was like, oh, I'm just honoring my father's memory and trying to play baseball. And I don't know, I, that, that sounded a little weird to me. Brady, what did you think? Yeah, I, I think that's foreshadowing. I really think that's gonna be probably its own episode. I think they're gonna spend a lot of time on baseball, probably more time than I would like. You know, that's, it's a, you know, because, yeah, that certainly, it was about his father during the time. And, of course, there have always been the rumors about the gambling. And I don't believe any of that. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a UNC stand. I appreciate that. I think he, I think he was just burnt out. And I think he, I mean, it's not, it's got to be tough to do, have that drive year in, year out. And that, that's one of the most remarkable things about Jordan. It's just that competitive drive and how he just doesn't get tired of it. Well, that's interesting because that, that's something the Warriors have talked about, that like going through the postseason for three straight years all the way to the finals, like they were just done. And maybe maybe that's true with Jordan, but I uh, <clears throat> I defer to Levi here, but I tend to think he probably was, uh, he was betting a little bit. He was definitely betting a little bit, but he didn't get his father killed from his gambling. Um, no, he, he was burnt out. Um, I think he... Damn, I didn't say that. Do you know about that side of things? Yes, I mean that's that's the supposition, right? Is that uh, he he got in got in some trouble gambling, Um, he got his father killed, and oh no, that's not a part of the. All listeners everywhere, please, I'm on record. I'm not saying that Jordan got his dad killed. I'm saying that he got kicked out. He got kicked out of the league for a year because he was gambling. I just want to make that point. Sorry, Levi, go ahead. Okay, I mean, if, if if that's what you're claiming now, that's that's fine enough. But um... <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, I mean, yeah, I think he just burned himself out ultimately, right? He's 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 a person who who the the physical requirements that he requires and, and, and the mental strain that he puts himself under, he can't keep going for for forever, right? Um, he took two vacations uh, from basketball because he burned himself out and then he came back refreshed and 
retired as a wizard, right? That's that's his career. All right, so Levi, a question for you. Um, is that like the most offensive thing you could possibly say about baseball? Uh, <laughs> he got tired, therefore he had to play baseball. I'm not wrong. <laughs> You're not. You're really not. <laughs> not wrong. I mean, baseball is the only sport where you can be fat. Still have a job. And be very, uh, yeah, and be very good. Yeah. Well, golf. Darts. Not a sport. Not a sport. <laughs> Bowling. Well, not a sport. Like, like you're going with, with uh, golf as a sport, though. How dare you? No, I'm you're, not, sir. That was Terry. Um, that was me. Golf is a sport. Is it Brady? Do you think golf is a sport? Oh yeah, absolutely. Interesting. You know, and, and, you know one thing. And I guess this this isn't really basketball related, but it was a question I think that came to my mind. And you know, when Wilbon, Mike Wilbon, was kicking off the documentary, he said, you know, there Michael Jordan was the most famous person in the world, and there are only two athletes that were ever like that: is Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali. So obviously, we got a baseball player and a boxer. Yeah, named, I, I thought I he, he missed if, Tiger Woods, right? That's what I was going to say. Go, thinking about golf, I think – I don't know that Tiger Woods is actually on, has ever been on Jordan's level. He's been awfully close, though. I mean, I think if you're going to add a fourth to that list, Tiger is the one, right? I completely agree. I, I interpreted when he said that as people at the time that Jordan was coming up. Um, yeah. yeah. But mm. I, 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 I agree that since Tiger Woods seems to be the person to fall into that kind of position. It's just being maybe the, Serena Williams, too. Interesting. Interesting. Damn, yeah, maybe. Damn. All you guys shitting on Serena Williams. I think she's up there. I can see it. But we're not talking I don't about know excellence. Fame level of fame, but it's close. Yeah, I don't think she's as famous. I don't know. I think that's what, what they're they're going for. Pretty pretty famous to me. She's know. pretty famous, but the degree of fame and recognition outside of the sport, I think, is the big category there. Of where you know Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth were just celebrities in their own right, entirely separate from the sport. People didn't even watch it; would be immediately aware of who they are. I don't think Serena Williams has ever really reached that level. Well, I also I think, think it's like not fair because I think Magic Johnson was up there at the time. Yeah, I think Magic Johnson got close. Like he he was very well known. I, I would say like Tyson get starts to get up there and and for a little honestly, bit of time. Yeah, that's a good point. George Foreman, like. Not, not for boxing. He was just like there with his like because he had an oven, like or, or a grill. Like, what are you talking about, George Foreman? I'll get Serena the edge over George Foreman. <laughs> this is your what Brady Colby episode. George Foreman. So, uh, Spencer, would you be able to tell who is Serena and who is who is Venus Williams? Good question. Great question. Yes. Okay. You you, yes. you know he has certain preferences, and so I feel like this is playing to his strength. Oh boy. Okay, Spencer, oh boy. we're gonna we're gonna put it to the test next time I see you, buddy. Because um, I don't <laughs> well, believe you actually can. Let's make that an in-person test. I'll see you in three years. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. It's a really good question, though, uh, Levi. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure B, uh, Spencer can do that. Um, okay. okay. I'm down for this test. We will try this out.
right, we've, we've gone about an hour and a half. Um, we've touched on the basketball stuff, the non-basketball stuff. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap up? And I do want to do this again when episode three and four airs this coming Sunday. Um, I just want to say, like, this was very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Like, very much so. a lot more than I expected as somebody that doesn't, uh, that doesn't participate as much as you guys obviously do in, in following the NBA. Um, but this was a surprisingly large part of my childhood, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer, anything you want to say? I actually really agree with BJ. I mean, I'm, I've been nowhere near, near as into the NBA as you guys have, particularly lately, but watching this was just imminent nostalgia catnip of where I said the only NBA game I ever saw was a game of Michael Jordan, at least in person. But it's even like watching the announcers, like Bob Costas and his hair from like the late 80s and things like that. It's just, it really brings back my childhood. It's real, really a real pleasure in a way I didn't expect I would get out of this series. Yeah, I think a lot of us have that. Um, Brady, any closing remarks? Well, in terms of the documentary, I mean, Lee, you and I have been talking about this documentary coming out for at least six months, mm-hmm. maybe longer. I mean, it's been appointment television, and obviously it got bumped up two months. And, you know, I think it's going to be really good, and I'm already satisfied. It has potential to be great. A lot just depends on what footage they actually have from that season, and are they willing to show it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's what I'm here to watch. I hope there's some crazy things that happen, I think even though we be. already know the story. Yeah, sure. And Levi? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't have a, a ton of additional thoughts. I definitely, so you bring up a good point. This this is a pure nostalgia trip, right? This is the 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 mostly male equivalent of where are they now listicles with cast of Saved by the Bell and Blossom. Um, like, this is this is pure sort of uh, baby boomer plus Gen Xer plus um, early millennial nostalgia trip, which is just amazing. Um, really back, which even, even though we had very thoughts at the time we still have very fond memories of, of growing up and watching this player even if we didn't watch the games on a day-to-day basis like someone like spencer i'm sure you still understood that he was extremely good and, and he was amazing that's a really great point he was he was very prevalent culturally uh and <laughs> before the documentary aired uh, uh brady sent me a link and i think he copied a lot of you on of the the music that they play before jordan is introduced and I just got super nostalgic as I was listening to it, thinking, oh, yeah, all right. One last time with Jordan. That's great. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, not just Jordan, honestly, like all of the Bulls, like, they were like, I, I was familiar with them and, and they were like, they were all big. Like, honestly, yes, Jordan was the biggest, but like, but, but, Pretty much everybody on the team was essentially a household name at that point. Do you guys um, think? Do you guys think we'll get episodes like we did with this last one, of where it's really emphasizing another player other than Jordan, where Scotty Pippen was the main character of the second episode of this documentary? Do you think we we'll do a Pippen episode? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. have to. If not two, I, like, I, I, I think you, you might get a Rodman get, episode. I was gonna say, I feel like Rodman like needs to have some. They've set him up. It was they mentioned three players in particular for the Bulls of where Jordan. Rodman and Pippen. That's the three they've set up so far with otherwise everybody else being mentioned kind of in passing. 
But I, I was curious whether we get a kind of a Pippen equivalent for other players going forward. I think we probably will. Um, if only because, I mean, Rodman wasn't on the level of Pippen Jordan, but his story is really interesting. Um, he was helpful to the Bulls, obviously. He was a big part of their last three championships. But I think he, you know, if you want to tell the Rodman story, it's a it's a very interesting story. It's a documentary yeah. in and of itself. Um, so the last thing I wanted to mention, the, the, so you said Brady sent you some music. I like, I really like the soundtrack. This. Agreed. Yep. Interesting. My take is that it's terrible. <laughs> that is not surprising at all. They pick like yeah, the contrarian. It's not contrarian. I mean, they they didn't pick meaningful songs from from the '80s in terms of rap, right? It, it's just generic rap sounds. Um, hey, it's LL Cool J, which he was popular, but he wasn't like the sound of a generation. Dude, LL Cool J was a big deal. It's still nostalgia, Levi. I feel like they're not going for like the deep pulls or, or, you know, something very meaningful, but I don't know. For me, it's still nostalgic. Sorry, Brady, I cut you off. Well, that LO Cool J jam when Jordan was going off for 63 points in the playoffs in his second year, I thought was perfect. (laughs) Levi was just excited. I'm glad they documented that correctly, though. Because that was a big deal at the time. He put 63 on Boston at, at home. Levi's Boston. <laughs> okay. Anything else we want to cover before we wrap up? Uh, when does the next episode air? Sunday. Uh, so the next four weeks, we're going to have uh, two episodes a night on Sunday on ESPN. Oh, you are a lot nicer than I would have been. I've answered. Do you, re- you recall back in the day when, 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 things were released every week, uh, typically around the same time. Every that is, that is a distant memory in what is a very much a Netflix, Amazon world. I know it is. You, you just, you, you just dove into it because the rest of us are also affected, right? The concept of, of when things air is really a foreign concept outside of Game of Thrones. Um, very little other things are, are put in the TV. Rip. Rip Game of Thrones. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks. We'll do this again next week. Appreciate everybody listening. This is Mangum Talks Hoops. We'll talk to you next week. See you.